You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Dr. Kathy Groover is an award-winning author, health practitioner, PhD, and TEDx speaker. And she's also the host of a national TV series, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet. Now in today's interview... Kathy shares her natural remedies for things like acid indigestion, how to improve sleep, and how to stay healthy during the winter season. So please welcome my guest today, Kathy Groover. All right, welcome to the show, Kathy. I'm happy to have you on. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Now, it's funny how we kind of crossed each other's paths because you essentially, I heard you on a podcast and I was really intrigued by your by the title, which was this alternative medicine cabinet, just ways to help yourself naturally at home. And so I just knew I had to have you on the show. And so that was the main reason I wanted you on the show. But I also found out that you are a speaker and you have a TEDx talk and I listened to your talk and it kind of resonated with this mind-body connection that I'm really into. So before we get into that, though, I want to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are now. So tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. how you got to this point in your life. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very convoluted story, as I think everybody's pretty much is. You know, I just followed the breadcrumbs. Uh, I started out as an actor. I was a theater major. And when I was in college, I very accidentally had never set out to do this, uh, started apprenticing with a woman that did massage. And I watched her and helped her out every summer for a couple of years. And at the end, I thought, man, I'm really good at this, and and she's encouraging me to do this. And so when I was heading to California to pursue my acting career, uh, I decided that massage was going to be that sideline, that thing I did during those you know award-winning movies. And the award-winning movies didn't come, but the massage stayed. So I always had this parallel path of massage and um, healing, and so uh, acting and healing, and then. The, the healing stuck. So uh, when I moved to Santa Barbara, I started building my massage practice. I started adding things like Reiki and homeopathics and herbs and nutrition and started writing books and got my PhD. And so it was just this very organic pathway of me just saying yes to these opportunities that popped up. Um, as a side note, my mom died when I was young. So she passed away when I was 18. And though that, of course, you, you can't have something like that happen and not that have be a huge influence on you. I can't specifically say she was sick, so I now do healing stuff, uh, but it was definitely an influence. And watching my dad be such an incredible caregiver to her, I think also instilled in me those, those urges to um, explore options, to have compassion and care for people. So whether I'm doing the hands-on work that I do or you know, in front of an audience of a thousand, uh, to me, it's about giving people options and choices. And that was one of the, one of the main components of my TEDx was, you know, options and going for it and living a full life. So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a winding path, but here I am. And I, I don't know where the next part of the path goes. <laughs> I have no idea. That's interesting. So you go from acting to massage and I find it interesting in your book, you talk about some common misconceptions about massage that I mm-hmm. actually also hear as well in practice. And one of those things is, does it get rid of cellulite? No, sorry. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, no, you know, there are these roller techniques and all these things. Unfortunately, it's really hard to get rid of cellulite. There's a huge um, hereditary component to it, so you can thank your parents for that. But no, it's really tough to get rid of if you, you know, drink tons of water and you do this like, rolling massage, which is incredibly painful. It can shrink the look of it, but unfortunately, from what I have seen and read, it just comes right back. So, nope, you're stuck with it for a little bit longer. 
Now, you also talk about, and I, I hear this all the time as well with my patients when they get massages, they'll get up and they'll feel like the next day they're sick or they'll feel like they have the flu, mm-hmm. right? Um, so does giving massage give you the flu? No, no. We need a virus for that. I'm not saying you don't feel like crap. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's typically a, a healing crisis or a hurt timer reaction, and that's from you know moving all those toxins around. I have had that happen from massage. I've had that happen from exercise. So like if you haven't done exercise in a while, you do a really intense class, especially in heat. So like when I did, I tried Bikram yoga once. I was practically passed out in the corner. I don't know. I don't like heat and I don't like yoga, so I'm not sure what I was thinking. But you know, I ended up so sick. I had a headache for days. I felt fluey and nauseous, and that was just all these toxins trying to get out of my body too fast. It's like opening up the freeway but closing all the exits. Everything you know, floods into that one area, and then it takes time for it to, to kind of dribble out. So, no, I'm not saying you don't have the flu. I am saying massage did not give it to you. <laughs> and then in your book, you also say that getting massage doesn't make you less of a man. Tell me, tell me why you put that yeah. in there. You know, I, I've, this was, this was way back. You know, I have met so many men who think it's a, it's a pampering thing. They think it's this girly thing. You go to a spa and you relax and you have your facial. And, you know, for some reason there was this sort of group of men I kept bumping into who thought it was this emasculating thing. And I'm a huge NFL fan. I grew up watching Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm a Pittsburgh girl. And, uh, you know, you don't think they're getting massage after they're done getting the crap beat out of them for four quarters they absolutely are you know it's a way to up your game it's a way to optimize your physical performance and to me it's the same way with meditation i've had a lot of men get very riled up when i suggest meditation say they're going to lose their edge or they're not going to be as on and it's like no it's completely the opposite you're actually going to be more focused more on your game from doing these things and self-care is huge and so i'm actually since i wrote that book i'm seeing a shift to more to more men saying yes to these things that that in the past they might have considered maybe tampering or something. So, yes, I think that's shifting. I think that's shifting. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that I see more resistance on that side to recommendations when it comes to massage. But once my patients get in there with a therapist that is more about kind of the medical approach, they find out Mm -hmm. it's not about relaxing. It's not about going to sleep. It's about fixing a problem. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So right now, are you incorporating massage in with your practice? Yeah, so I still have a full-time, well, I do about 80% massage, about 20% hypnotherapy. Oh, a lot of hands-on. And hands at some on point, that. that'll, sh- a lot of hands-on. And, and that's just when I'm here. I, I do a lot of traveling with the speaking. So when I am, well, gone, obviously, I'm not doing massage. I haven't found a way to do that virtually. People don't seem to want to pay me for me to call and tell them I'm massaging <laughs> them right now. Um, I've tried. Uh, but yeah, so uh, when I'm in town, uh, that's what, pretty much what I do all day is massage and hypnotherapy. And then when I'm traveling, I'm speaking to corporations, organizations, uh, nonprofits, you know, kind of pretty much whoever will, whoever flies me to where to speak. Let's go back to the alternative medicine cabinet and go over essentially what people can do to stay healthy. Now, one of the big things in the book that stuck out to me was back pain, obviously, because I treat back pain. Yeah. So tell me some recommendations that you have for back pain that someone can do at home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really think we just need to get on the floor and stretch. And I don't mean yoga. Uh, I've suggested stretching to so many people and they say, yeah, I should do yoga. That's, that's great if that's your thing. I actually find yoga actually messes up my back, <laughs> which is kind of not what it's supposed to do, but just the way I'm built, yoga doesn't work for me. So I'm talking about like seriously just 
you know, those like old fashioned calisthenic stretches that we learned in grade school or whatever that was, you know, stretching out your hamstrings, stretching out your quads, bending down and touching your toes, twisting a little bit, if it's okay with any back issues you might have. I think it's so important every day to move our bodies in that way. Everyone finds stretching boring. Everyone tells me they don't do it enough, including me. But I think that's really important to keep our bodies healthy and to keep us from having injuries in the future. If you're warmed up, you're probably not going to be as prone to hurt yourself. Uh, the other thing is, I, you know, we are not meant to sit. And I read a thing maybe a year or two ago that said sitting is the new smoking, which sounds like a great buzz catchphrase for an advertisement. But it actually is true. I mean, we're sitting more than ever uh, and I think we really have to make sure we're getting, getting up and moving at least once an hour. Uh, standing desks are great, but then that creates a whole other set of problems. But we need to be moving our bodies. Um, and with men specifically, I see a lot of them sitting on this gigantic George Costanza-sized wallet <laughs> from Seinfeld. You, you shouldn't be sitting on something like that. Uh, it's really throwing off your back. You know, it would be like putting one teeny tire on your car compared to the other three and expecting the alignment to stay in, in place. It's, it's not going to work. So get those things out of your pockets. Ladies, be careful of really heavy purses. That's going to throw your back off. Uh, stretching, moving, drinking enough water, you know, making sure your bed is comfortable. If you need pillows or bolsters, create the sleep environment that you need um, specifically for your back. And, you know, I mean, this is what I deal with all day. I know you do a lot of stuff with back pain too. So it's, you know, it's an endless topic. It's an endless topic. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up sleep posture because that'll get us into our next subject, how to improve sleep, which this month, ironically, correlates with the launch of a pillow that I designed to help improve oh. sleeping posture. So for those of you listening who haven't yet seen my Kickstarter campaign, go to perfectfitpillow.com and you can see that it may not be live when this episode goes live, but you can go still check and maybe buy a pillow. We'll still have plenty of them for sale, but sleep posture and sleeping is really important to me. So let's go into some topics that you have to help improve sleep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, it, the first thing is we have to have a good sleep environment. You have to have that sleep hygiene. And I have so many clients who complain they're not sleeping and then tell me, you know, the dog is in with them or they've got 12 cats on their head. And I am not a fan of having animals in the room. I, 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 people love their pets. Uh, they want to sleep with their dog, their cat, their marmot, whatever they happen to have. But it's not great for our sleep. I mean, unless the animal truly goes to bed when you do and just conks out all night and actually gives you space in the bed, um, it's, it's not the best thing. You know, it's, it's disturbing you. And even if you don't fully wake up, it's disturbing you enough or you're aware of don't roll over on the cat or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so get the, get the animals out of the bed. Um, make sure it's dark. Make sure it's quiet. Maybe you need earplugs or blackout curtains. Um, don't do anything on the electronics for about that half hour before you go to bed, if not an hour. Watching violent TV or watching the news or something that's going to upset you is not a good idea. That last half hour before we drift off to sleep is the most suggestible time to our brain. So this is the perfect time to, you know, do your affirmations, journal, do your gratitude work, that sort of thing, because all of that stuff goes straight into your subconscious. So I do um, affirmations every night in, in the course of something called Mental Bank, which is a mm, sort of a life-shifting program thing that I do. And I do that literally. I write in my little mental bank. I close the book. I go to sleep. And those things that I have written about right before bedtime percolate around in my brain all night and actually start to influence how I re respond and, and make decisions and, and attract things to my life. So I think what we do that last you know, 
two minutes to half an hour, I think it's really important. And I think we overlook that time a lot. You know, we turn off the news and go straight to bed, which really for our psyche is not the best thing for us. So, and then if you really have trouble sleeping, you know, hypnosis is great for sleep. Do your supplements like melatonin, tryptophan. Don't take tryptophan if you're taking SSRIs for depression. That can cause a really huge problem. But there's a lot of options. There's a lot of things we can do to make sure we're getting sleep. And sleep is vastly important. It sets up everything else in our lives. So, yeah, it's, to me, it's, it's an awesome topic. And I'm so excited about your pillow. I want to go check that out. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's been a pretty good success. We got funded day one. So um, we're really, really excited for this. Oh. oh, that's great. I'll check it. Yeah, I have clients all the time asking me about pillows and beds. And, oh, good. I'll send them there. Perfect. Yeah, it's the most common thing I get asked, too. So I knew I had to come up with some solution that I was comfortable recommending. Now, let's go back into another topic in your book, office health in the winter season, because this is another thing I get mm. asked a lot about in practice, especially around this time of year. What can I do to help try and avoid or prevent or even lessen the symptoms of all these people that are sick around me? Yeah, you know, to me, one of the most important things, yeah, I mean, hand washing, keep hand sanitizer around. I'm a hand sanitizer person. I'm not a huge get my hands wet person, which is funny. I'm going to do massage. I'm washing my hands all day. Not my favorite thing, I'll admit. Uh, love my hand sanitizer. But, you know, one of the things to me is not stressing out about it. Uh, there's a huge mind-body medicine component to our immune system. And we can actually boost our immune system by telling it to boost, by visualizing our immune system, by saying, I am healthy and well, my immune system is strong and resilient. We actually have the ability to make ourselves stronger in that way. So one of the big things I see is people come into my office and they're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's February, I'm going to get sick and everyone's sick around me and I hope I don't get sick and oh geez, do I look sick? Don't get near me, you'll get me sick. Don't get near me, I'll get you sick. And all the reiterating is sick, 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 sick. And that, again, heads straight into our subconscious and actually can make us sicker. Um, not to say we're causing our own illness, but we are depleting our own immune system by having the stress and the paranoia about getting sick. So staying positive staying um, de-stressed, making sure you're taking care of all those mental, emotional things that are pounding on you is going to help your physicality. And I think that's something huge that we overlook. Um, I'm a huge fan of the neti pot. Uh, if you feel something coming on to me, it doesn't seem to work once I'm already stuffed up. It just seems to make it worse for me personally. But if I'm been exposed to stuff or, you know, even if it's something like dust or if there's people around me who are sick, I'll do a couple of days of the neti pot, which is a little, looks like a teapot, clears up your sinuses. Uh, so that's really, I love that. I'm a huge fan of homeopathics and herbs and um, boosting the immune system that way. Just doing different um, mushroom tonics can be really great for boosting the immune system. I love a homeopathic called Ocelococcinum, which is basically, it's sort of a homeopathic flu shot is the way I always describe it. And it actually, I have found it to really help if I feel something trying to take hold. I'll up my vitamin C. Uh, you know, there's so many different options. And it's, it's interesting because some people work, you know, some things work for some people and don't, not for others. So when I would take Airborne, it would totally work for me. It did not work for one of my colleagues. So you have to experiment a little bit and really see what's going to work for you. Chinese herbs don't work as well for me as American herbs. I'm American. That's my, you know, I, I come from a very you know, European background. Right. So I think we have to look at you know, homeopathics work really good for me, not good for somebody else. So you kind of have to experiment and see what's going to work best for you, which is the challenge sometimes with natural health. People want to pop a pill as if it's an Advil and have everything magically disappear. And it's like, well, but it doesn't work that way. You know, so we have to, we have to experiment. We have to do that a trial and error thing to see what is going to be best for us. 
Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I find the same thing. When people ask me what I do personally, most people don't really want to know because when I tell them, it's like, well, I don't want to do all that. That's weird. Um, But I find that, you know, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. I do believe in trying different things and seeing what works for you. But again, I've interviewed a lot of people. It's really neat to see all these different ways to try and combat these different things that we all deal with. So, and another one actually that leads into the next topic that's common that I hear is acid indigestion. So, give us some natural solutions that you have for combating acid indigestion. Yeah, this is so common right now. And it's, you know, what I see advertised on TV tends to be the latest illness trend. And, you know, for a while they were talking about the little purple pill and all these things that help reduce the acid. What I have found in so many of my clients who come to do a consult with um, the acid and suggestion stuff is sometimes it's sometimes it's something called called hypochorhydria. And to break that down, hypo, not enough, chorhydria, choric acid. So there's hypochoric acid in our stomach. That's what helps digest our food. And when we put food in our mouth, we start the enzyme reactions. It triggers to the stomach, hey, get ready, something's coming. And we build this chemical reaction to help digest the food. If we don't have enough stomach acid, the food churns around in there longer than it should because the sphincter at the end of the stomach waits to hit a certain level of acid before it goes, oh, okay, cool, the food's done, it opens up, and things come out. It's like your washing machine. It's triggered, hey, we're done with the rinse, it's time to spin. That's kind of what our stomach does. And if there's not enough acid to trigger that sphincter to open to let the food out, it sits and churns more and more and more and more and more and more. So then you go to bed two hours later, or you bend over to tie your shoes, and you burp up gunk. And you think, ooh, that's acid. Well, sure it is, but it's also putrefied food. It's like, you know, food sitting in your garbage disposal overnight, not quite gone. It's disgusting. So you burp up, you think it's too much acid, which on one hand it sort of is. They give you something to, to, to calm that down, and that sensation goes away. But what really, and some people, what the problem is, is they need more acid. So you can actually, um, what is the name of that test? Hmm. There's a test where they put a little tube down the stomach and they measure the stomach acid. I'm blanking on what the name of that test is. Um, but you can do that. You can also take apple cider vinegar with your meals. And I have had clients who have a dream reaction to taking a little bit of apple cider vinegar, you know, just a couple minutes before their meal with their food because it helps to up that stomach acid. So I have had really good luck with people trying to do that route as opposed to taking the acid reducers because in reality their problem is not enough acid to begin with. So that is my favorite thing for, for acid reflux and, um, and GERD. And if you, have a, if you have an active ulcer, that's not going to feel very good. <laughs> you don't want to take the, right. the hydrochloric acid tablets. So that's not going to be good. You can also take digestive enzymes. You know, we take lipase, amylase, protease, and that will help also digest the food um, not eating too late, though, is true. You don't want to be having a giant meal at 10 o'clock at night and then going to bed. That's just not, just not how our bodies are made to work. So, yeah, so there's my, there's my, my spiel on um, hypochorhydria. It's, it's one of my favorite topics. It's actually fascinating to me. That's great. Now, you also, in your book, mentioned that even Wonder Woman needs a day off. And I think that kind of bridges into <laughs> your talk. You talked a little bit about a trapeze. And tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that and uh, how that fits into helping with stress and mind-body. Yeah, you know, I'm a total adventure junkie. I am. Uh, I love that adrenaline rush, and I love to say yes to things. To me, we're on this planet to explore, to have fun, to just enjoy ourselves. And 
I want to try new things. I want to, I just say, yeah, go for it has been my motto since high school. And I was talking to a client of mine and she said, oh my God, she goes, what in the world is left on your bucket list? Because I went through this list of all the stuff I had done. And I said, well, you know, I don't really believe in a bucket list, which is something I mentioned in my TEDx. Like, you know, to me, if you want to do something and it's within your power financially, time-wise, and going to go do it, then go do it. What are you waiting for? You know, so many people write this list, this mythical list, and then they get to be, you know, 85 and they realize they haven't done anything. And now they're too old. It's too late. It's, you know, they can't ice skate anymore or whatever it is. Um, so I told this woman that I always wanted to try flying trapeze because I saw it on I saw it on an episode of Sex in the City. Carrie was in New York. She was afraid of heights. She did a trapeze class. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that's something you can go do. Like anybody can go do this. And it was just fascinated. And so years later, um, I found a trapeze rig in Santa Monica. I tried it, thought it would be a one-time thing where I would just fly through the air and do the class and be finished with it. And now here I am five years later, <laughs> I've flown on probably a dozen rigs around the country. Um, to me, it's a, it's, it's not only adventure and it's probably the most physical thing that I've ever tried to do, but it is a parallel for life. You, cl- you have to do this thing and it's scary and you climb this really tall ladder and it's shaky and you're not sure if you can do it. And you stand up on this platform and you have to jump off. And how many times do we have that in life? There's this thing that we're facing that we're afraid of. And it's, but at some point we just have to jump off and there's a net and there's someone to help us. And there's someone to catch us and there's safety lines and, you know, we just need to take that leap. And so to me, in that way, it's a parallel for life, uh, taking those risks, taking those chances and just going for it. And it's also a mindfulness practice. If I'm thinking about anything else than what I'm doing right in that moment, you not only miss your trick, you can get really hurt. And I've been injured three times doing trapeze because I'm doing more advanced stuff. If you go with the first couple of times, you're not going to get hurt. Uh, incredibly safe. But I got hurt three times. And because I was someplace else, because I wasn't present at that moment. I was fast forwarding to the future thing. And we do that so often in life too. How often are we sitting around what ifing that negative future thing, as opposed to just being present and enjoying and just taking in that moment of where we are. We're the only creatures that want to be anywhere else than right here. You know, cats and animals and they're not daydreaming about the next thing. They're right here, present. And we need to do more of that. And, and to me, trapeze is just such a great exercise for that. Now, in your talk, you talk about three phrases of three words that are really important. So, tell us what those three phrases are. Yeah, so go for it is one of them. And that goes with the try. I tell three stories in my TEDx. So, go for it is one of them. Um, the other one is, is why suffer twice? And that goes to the, you know, we're what ifing into that future. And I literally have had people say to me, I hate Sundays. And I say, well, that's kind of weird. Why do you hate Sundays? Well, because I have to go to work Monday. Well, why are you ruining your Sunday to think about something tomorrow? At that point, you can't blame the mean boss or the weird coworker or the overwork or the underpay. That's all you at that point. You're creating that in your mind. And that was one of the things that Tikhanat Han said, you know, why suffer twice? Uh, worrying about what if that spot is cancer? What if he leaves? What if I don't get that promotion? Well, that's a future thing. And if something bad happens later, you can suffer then. So why are you anticipating the suffering? And I see a lot of us do that. So why suffer twice is the other one. And be here now or change your focus. It's more the change your focus of what we look at is what we see, which sounds kind of weird, but 
uh, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk and I have 30 different things I can focus on. It's the same thing in our life. We can focus on whatever we want. We can focus on that negative thing that happened or is happening or will maybe happen later, or we can just focus on something else. And so I tell the story about how I got stranded in London, stranded in England, um, and just was told to sit there and look at something pretty as opposed to complaining about my, my quote, negative situation. And that was just such a huge life lesson of look at, look at something else then. You know, we are so hard on ourselves, especially women. And I've seen so many women just pick themselves apart. You know, they could be dressed to the nines and, and just looking beautiful and they're mad because they broke a nail. And it's like, what do we want to focus on? It's not about those little things that we can pinpoint that are wrong. It's about focusing on those things that are so right. And there's all these moments of perfection that we overlook because we're busy thinking about work on Monday, <laughs> you know? So it, to me, the, the, the TEDx thing was just, it was such an amazing experience just to get to do it. And I've had such great feedback on that talk and people from all over the world have watched it and, and contacted me and said how much they liked it. So I'm so glad you watched it and liked it. And yeah, I encourage everyone to check it out. Yeah. And I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Now that was, was that Salinas, California? That was Salinas, yeah. And I actually just booked another one. I'm so excited. So that's actually going to be down south in Southern California, kind of near near the airport. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm going to do that one on us versus them um, and how we're having so much division right now. don't know if you noticed. We're a little divided uh, right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be doing that um, in March. So really excited about that. And then I'm also working on my eighth book, which is on us versus them. So very excited about that project as well. Terrific. Well, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, where would you tell them to go? Yeah, you know, kathygroover.com is really the easiest thing. Uh, I've got all of my books there. I've got links to a bunch of talks and some of my speaking info, things like that. The Alternative Medicine Cabinet has a lot of resources and stuff there as well. So those are the two main sites, and I'm all over social media. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, and, you know, uh, pretty much find me everywhere. I've got a great Wikipedia page, which is really fun. And then trapeze videos peppered all over the place. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over. So I, and I love when people reach out. So I would love to hear from anybody that, that, uh, that wants to. Well, I appreciate your time today on the show and look forward to looking through more of your stuff. And again, thanks for taking the time today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. Oh,